This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. All right, let's pray. Father, we come to your word this morning, Lord, with a great sense of our need for you to, Lord, instruct us, teach us, guide us, Lord, show us where, Lord, we're lacking, fill us, Lord, where we're empty, and uh, do this through your word this morning, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Matthew 22, verse 34 through 40, Matthew 22. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment of the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So the Pharisees now, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know, these are the groups that were really there, and they're great odds over each other. Over one point, it's given to us in Acts 23, 8. Acts 23, 8 really gives us the, what's the problem between them. It says, the Sadducees say there is no resurrection, neither angel nor spirit, but the Pharisees confess both. And this difference was so sharp, it was so strong between the Sadducees and the Pharisees that here was Christ, and he had just put the Sadducees to silence. He stopped them, and he showed them that they were wrong for saying that, that there was no resurrection, and he pointed out to them that they didn't know the scriptures, and they didn't know the scriptures, and you would have thought that after such a rebuke, after such a putting down of their enemies, the Sadducees, that the Pharisees would have appreciated Christ and that they would have thanked him, gotten on his side, but they didn't. Because the hatred for Christ is so deep, was so deep, that it blocks any appreciation of Christ. 
reminds me of of um, how I was watching a you know um, an old western. I don't remember what it was with my Jewish friend, and it was interesting. These old westerns, you know, like uh, these old westerns. You know, when you get to the end of the credits there, there's many Jewish people who are involved. <laughs> They're directors and producers, soundmen, especially music, you know. <laughs> and, so, and so, you know, we were looking at that. And then in this particular one, as there are in these old Western shows, you know, there's oftentimes there's the scene of the, the man who's shot and he's going to get buried. And there's the gathering around the grave and there's the minister and... Um, and he's praying, maybe they're singing Rock of Ages and quoting quite a few parts of the Bible, even the New Testament. And so I was very interested in that part. And I commented to my Jewish friend, I says, you know, that's interesting, but I noticed there were no scriptures that used the name of Jesus Christ. And at the end of the prayers, I didn't hear anybody that ever end in, in Jesus' name. And my Jewish friend said to me, that's because there's a Jewish director and staff that wouldn't allow it. <laughs> and so it is here in verse 34 that even though Christ has done what the Pharisees were trying to do, silence them on this issue of the resurrection of the, the, the Sadducees, still they continued, the Pharisees continued in their opposition of Christ. And he said, and it says there in John 15, 24, John 15, 24, Jesus said, now have they both seen and hated both me and my father, but this cometh to pass, John 15, 25, next verse, but this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled which is written in their law, they hated me without a cause. What a statement. They hated me without a cause. That's a description of Jesus Christ. He is hated without a cause. Reminds me of a, a conversation with an Orthodox rabbi where he asked me for a verse that refers to Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. He says, can you tell me, he says, you know, nobody's ever heard of Jesus before in the Old Testament. And I said, yes, Isaiah 9, 6. And then he told me, he says, now wait while I look it up. And as he was looking it up, he said to me, I know you're wrong, he says. <laughs> he says, I know you're wrong about Isaiah 9, 6. Before I even find my book, I know you're wrong. And then he says, do you know why I know you're wrong about Isaiah 9, 6? And I said, yes, I do. I know how you know I'm wrong. Isaiah 9, 6, before you even read it, it's because you are prejudiced, that's why. I said, you're just downright prejudiced. You're a white person in Selma, Alabama in the 1950s, and I've just come in and told you I know a great black man, and you said, I know you're wrong, because that prejudiced man in Selma, Alabama, he just heard the word black man, and that was it, because there can't be anybody good who's black. In his mind, I said, it's pure and simple prejudice, and that's exactly what you are, and as soon as you hear the name Jesus Christ, you said, oh no, Jesus Christ cannot be good because you're prejudiced. Anyway, John 15, 25, they hated me without a cause. Okay, well now they're back together, the Pharisees here, they get back together, they're happy that their rivals, the Sadducees have been put down, but in no way are they ready to unite with Christ. And so now they've regrouped and they have again one goal, they're coming back into the boxing ring, they have a fresh new try, they're gonna outwit Christ, they're gonna give another attempt to trap him, and here we go. So here comes this person. This person in verse 25 is called a lawyer, a lawyer. Now we shouldn't think that 
uh, when we read this that this is a person who practiced law. The term lawyer here means a person who was an expert in the law of Moses, that's what it means. As a matter of fact, it's clearer in the book of Mark, in the book of Mark, this parallel passage where he's called a scribe, because a scribe were lawyers, they were experts in the law. So let's look at that, Mark 12, 28. Mark 12, 28, it tells us here, one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? So he's a scribe, he's called a lawyer, and he's an expert, and it's very significant that in this passage in Mark, it calls him one of them, one of them. That's important to see because the Bible is calling him out as an individual, and that's how God sees every person as an individual. God saw this person as one of them, or that word one causes us to look at this person as an individual that he was. The Pharisees certainly looked at him as an individual. They thought he's very unique. He's the one of them. The Pharisees saw him as he's the man. He's the man that we need. He's a unique expert in the law, and he's perfect as one of them to confront Jesus with an argument from the law that Jesus would be stumped over. So this is how the Pharisees saw this man as a unique individual, uniquely selected from among them that could go toe-to-toe with Jesus in the matter of the law. After all, the Pharisees had watched Sadducees bring up a matter of the law. It happened to be the law of a brother marrying a widow to raise seed to the brother's name, and they saw how Jesus had put them to silence over the matter of the law. So now the Pharisees want to do what the Sadducees, they want to outdo the Sadducees. They want to do what the Sadducees could not do, tripping up Jesus with the matter of the law. So they bring out their Goliath, this Goliath-like Pharisee champion that's going to overcome the David-like Jesus shepherd boy. And so, so for the Pharisees, this particular individual scribe lawyer was one of them that they chose. That's the point. But the term one of them is also significant from God's perspective because all expected that this man would be a true, loyal Pharisee who would keep the mission of hating Jesus, fighting Jesus, destroying Jesus. But this person who is called one of them was one person that the Pharisees never imagined he would turn out to be. He starts out as a loyal Pharisee to keep this mission of hating, fighting, and destroying Jesus. But the question that he asked didn't come, first of all, it didn't come from a good heart of really seeking Jesus because the scripture said about this man, as we saw in verse 35 of our text, it was a question tempting him, tempting him. It was a question designed to tempt and to eventually destroy Jesus, but then something happened. Something happened, we don't know what it is, but it's brought out in the parallel passage in Mark 12, in Mark 12, something happened. And it says in Mark 12, 28, Mark 12, 28, one of the scribes came, having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, 
with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength, this is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There's none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, well, master, thou hast said the truth. For there is one God, there is none other but he, and to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the soul and with all the strength and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. This account in Mark Again, this scribe, this scribe lawyer is called one of the scribes, and we're told that although he was sent by the Pharisees to trip up Christ, this particular individual listened very carefully to Christ, and we're told that he's now thinking for himself when it says in Mark 12, 28, Mark 12, 28, one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, so what was happening to this particular individual was that the Pharisees feared the most would happen, that one of their own might be drawn by Christ. And the Pharisees needed to hold their troops together in a bond of brothers to oppose Christ, not to join Christ. But disaster of all disasters, this one particular scribe lawyer was admiring Christ. And this particular scribe lawyer, he started off doing his sworn duty to do. And he asked Christ the question about the law, intending to tempt Christ, to trip him up. And Christ did answer this particular scribe lawyer, and the answer that Christ gave was, as we just saw in Mark 12, 12, 29, 31, he answers them, he tells them, this is the great commandment, hear, O Israel, love, 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 and then after you've done that toward God, love again your neighbor, and they said there's nothing greater, and, and it was what Christ answered, and it was the way he answered the question that just moved this particular scribe lawyer in such a way that this particular individual, he lost his sworn duty position of being an adversary to Christ. And he slipped into a state of admiration of Christ and of wondering about Christ and of marveling over Christ and wanting to hear more of Christ and wanting to become a follower moving in this direction of Christ. And this was to the shock and horror of the Pharisees. They watched one of their own slip away from the Pharisees, but to the thrill and joy of Christ, they watched one of their own slip away to Christ and this particular scribe lawyer said to Christ, like we saw in Mark 12, 32, well, master, thou hast said the truth. And he restates what Christ said in such a way that showed that he really had internalized it and he was not just regurgitating exact words, but he stated it in a different way. He said, there's one God, there's none other but he and to love with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and love his neighbor as himself, it's more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Nobody said anything about the burnt offerings and the sacrifices, but he got it. And he said, if you stack up 
all of the doing of the law symbolized by the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And you, on the other hand, put love for God with all the heart. He said, give me love for God. And he got it. And he said to that, and he started off by saying, well, master. And so he wasn't just saying that like the scribes and Pharisees had hypocritically in the past called him master, Lord, whatever they said, and didn't really mean it. This particular lawyer, when he said, well, master, he meant it. And he was saying, when he said, well, master, he was in essence saying, you know, I studied the law of Moses all my life, and I've been yearning to see a person who is the crystallization of all that I've been learning. And now I found this person in Jesus Christ, and I say to this person, Mark 12, 32, well, I studied the Moses all my life. I just want to see a person who is perfectly keeping the law. What does that person look like? And he's sitting there saying, now I'm looking at him. I found him in Jesus Christ. And he says in Mark 12, 32, well. He says, I studied the law of Moses all my life. I just want to find a teacher that I can really have confidence in, that I know can really not mislead me, but lead me correctly. And now I'm standing in front of this teacher and he says in Mark 12, 32, master. He studied the law of Moses all his life and he'd heard all these nonsensical interpretations from the Talmud about the law of Moses and all the nonsensical interpretations of the Torah and, and he knew in his heart, it's not true. And I just yearn to find a teacher that will tell me the truth. And he's standing in front of Jesus Christ and he says, I found that teacher. And he says in Mark 12, 32, thou has said the truth. And when he said that, thou has said the truth, he capped off years of being taught deceptions, lies, misleadings from the rabbis teaching the Talmud. And now this one particular scribe lawyer is so thrilled with discovering Jesus Christ that he wants to show Jesus Christ, I'm tracking with you, I'm on your page. And so he restates the, what Jesus had said in such a beautiful way. And this one particular scribe lawyer is so excited that he has found what he's been looking for, Jesus Christ, and he wants to respond to Jesus Christ, and he wants to be his follower, so he re I listen to what you say as a teacher. I am your student. Look. And his one particular scribe lawyer confesses that he's starting to realize who Jesus Christ is. And he says in Mark 12, 32, there's only one God. There's one God and there's none other but he. And he's starting to realize I'm standing before him. And this one particular scribe lawyer sees that to love God and love his neighbor is what the law is all wrapped up. And he sees this, he sees this that the Pharisees don't see. He sees this, that all this mountain of dues is not even worthy to be compared with loving God. And when the Pharisee comrades hear that, we can imagine them saying to themselves, oy vey, love of God and neighbor is worth more than all of the sacrifices and the customs? What is he saying? And when Jesus heard that, Jesus encouraged that man in Mark 12, 34, Mark 12, 34, what it says, when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. 
What he was saying there, what Jesus was saying there was that a great transformation had started to happen. It had begun to happen in this man, and the Lord Jesus saw this in his answer, and so therefore, he said to him in Mark 12, 34, you are not far, you're not far. And what it says, what Jesus saw in the man, it says in Mark 12, 34, when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. The Greek word here, discreetly, is made up of two words, literally means he held his mind on. He held his mind on of what Jesus said. In other words, we would say he applied his mind. In other words, we might say he meditated, he considered, he thought about it. Because it was his response to Christ, when Christ was talking about discreetly, it was his response to Christ. Christ gave us actually four types of responses that people have to what Christ said. Only four. And they were given to us in the parable in Matthew 13, 19. Matthew 13, 19. When anyone, he said, Jesus said, when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and a none with joy receiveth it, yet he hath not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution ariseth, because of the word, by and by he's offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and becometh unfruitful. But he that receiveth the seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, you will not understand anything else that I say. He told his disciples that. This is what you call the fundamental parable that Jesus spoke because he said that if a person doesn't get this, you ain't going nowhere with me. And the reason that this parable must be understood before any other parable can be understood is because this parable describes how a person receives the word of Christ. And there are only four possible ways, that's it. Only four that a person can uh, respond, only four responses after having the word of Christ presented. First of all, we're told in the first case of Matthew 13, 37, Matthew 13, 37, he answered and said unto them, he that soweth the good seed is the son of man. Jesus Christ is the person who is sowing the good seed of his word. Think of it. Jesus Christ is the sower of the good seed. A person sowing seed is not blind. He just doesn't go out and close his eyes and throw the seed all over the place without seeing anything. He throws the seed and then he looks to see where the seed fell, where it landed and he wants to know if that seed uh, landed on a road, or maybe it fell in some rocks, or it fell in some thorns, or it happened to land in good soil. He's not a fool. He's out there wanting the seed to go into good ground, and he's checking it out. The point is, the sower 
is interested in where the seed landed. And in the same way, when Christ spoke his word, he didn't just blindly shut his eyes, but he looked around. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.